look at them, smug and secure in their finery, mocking us. Uh, they're just snowmen, Mr. Burns. Ah, uh, snowmen have peepers. Peepers to watch. To watch for our moment of weakness, and then Baff comes to knock on the head, and we're down. What do we do? Oh, wouldn't you like to know? Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we are here to review Mountain of Madness. I am Dando. I am Mitch. How are you, Dando? I am doing pretty well. Spring's finally upon us and I'm getting a bit of hay fever, but hey. Well, all the best. I have quarantined myself just in case. Uh, yes. Because I've, I've had a remarkable streak and of not having like a cold or the sniffles. And to the point that I don't remember the last time it happened. So there's been a lot of people who are getting unwell around me and I've done everything I can to avoid that uh, and I will continue living in a bubble for a while so if there's uh, I guess for from a listener's benefit if there's the occasional pause or we talk over the top of each other that's why because I refuse to be in the same room <laughs> next Monday I'm going to get a text message sorry mate can't do the podcast I'm too sick <laughs> Mountain of Madness now this is an episode that for me it's one of the ones that I tend to just forget about and then when it comes on TV I go oh I love this episode Oh, it is. Even though we'd said in the lead up that I felt that this had been an underrated underrated episode and that I really enjoyed it, even I had forgotten just how much I enjoyed it. It was so much fun to just sit down and watch. And I think a litmus test is how much Ash laughed at this one. Like as much as Ash is often, she's a Simpsons fan by by any means, but. Generally, when I'm watching these reviews or episodes for reviews, she'll just be on her phone. She's not paying as much attention. Whereas with this one, it was start to finish laughter coming from the other side of the couch. Who do you think was the funniest in the episode? I think Homer had the best lines. I love that I've lost my map. You haven't been issued a map yet. (laughs) (laughs) I just think Homer... And Burns was great in this as well. Like I think everyone was just... There's nothing to not like about this episode. No, everyone's very funny, but I do agree. I think Homer is the MVP throughout the episode. It's the boyishness of Homer and the innocence that he has. Like when he's when they're going through the instructions, and he's like, "Ooh, <laughs> I know," with the hat. Yeah, <laughs> and and also the uh, the snow coming in through the door when he sort of like op- opens the door to check if there's been an avalanche, and then thinks about it, and then opens a window. It's like, can you see any way out? Uh, well, maybe, and then goes back to the door again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I also like the um. Uh, the, the visual gags in this episode. So, Mr. Burns firing the gun and going mm-hmm. into the snow and then having to fire it to get back out. There's just plenty of visual humor in this as well. I th- this episode, it's it's incredible. It's just great from start to finish. Yeah. I've just noticed on the Wikipedia page, and I didn't know it until just then, it was written by Swartzwalder. Makes sense now. And rewritten a lot. Apparently, it went through pretty extensive rewrites. And Really? Yeah. I, 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 they changed a number of aspects about it, but... Often rewrites can lead to degradation in quality, but I feel like with The Simpsons, when they rewrite an episode a lot, it just means that they get more and more room for funny. Why do you think this episode is so underrated? Like, why do you think it just seems to go to the back of all our, our minds, even though we all love it so much? I honestly couldn't tell you the answer to that. I think um, maybe because it's it's easy to just think, oh, it's the episode where Burns and Homer get trapped in the cabin and you forget a bit about everything going on around it. Because... They are hilarious, but if I, I kind of forgot how funny the Carl versus Lenny dynamic was, yeah. amongst a few other things, I forgot about 
the kids hanging out with Smithers and like there's just a lot more I forgot about the fire drill uh like as much as I know the fire drill is a thing that happens in the Simpsons I'd forgotten about it happening in this particular episode and Homer I I think I won Mr. Burns (laughs) (laughs) I just fire 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 I I wrote down on my thing this would fire 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 guy is Mitch in a fire drill (laughs) (laughs) no I'm all uh, I'm all business straight out have you ever like how often do you guys do fire drills where you work uh, we haven't had one in the last two years. Ooh, that's not safe. Are they as pointless though as what they are for us? Because we just literally, it's just a way to kill half yeah. an hour basically. Yeah. Look, theres we test the fire alarm to make sure that, you know, there's safety and that sort of stuff. But if you had a proper look at our building, there's no need for it in for our company in particular. Like Plenty of windows? Yeah. It's all glass windows. So, you can see where everyone is at virtually any time in the office. Yeah. And there's only two exits. So it's a pretty straightforward deal. It's you know, if there's a fire in the building, I'm going out the front door. Uh, and <laughs> are you in charge? Like what what do they call the person in charge a fire of the fire warden. drill? A ho- yeah, are you a fire warden? No. God, they wouldn't put me in responsibility of people's lives. That is, <laughs> that, I, if I was like I'd take it too seriously and I would actually be lighting fires for a drill because you know <laughs> this you pr- what is it? Um practice like you'd play. <laughs> I'm just trying to envision you in a hat like the little doozers from Fraggle Rock. <laughs> I, uh, I'm adverse to anything that requires me to wear a high-vis vest. You would have never have had to have worn one, would you? Uh, you, have, have, you have not done any manual labour in your life. Once, there was a time where I spent six months working for a geotech firm. I th- um, what? Yeah, I <laughs> I was out there working construction on the roads. For you were not months. you were not working in construction. I, I was, refuse to believe it. No, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It, no, I, it wasn't supposed to happen. The reason I got the <laughs> job was because they needed someone to effectively be not a draftsman, but they needed to do reports for whether road investigations were done, and that involved doing drawings in AutoCAD to show. Um, just to basically be able to show where they dug and what was in it, what was I in the like, hole. I feel like you doing construction is be like Saul Goodman Community Service, just talking your way out of it. Any chance to just not do it? <laughs> just laying down and having a smoke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My back sore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so I lied about my ability to to gain that job. And it's not that I ever got found out for that, but I guess it was just karma that they then went, uh, look, we're a little bit short on the road crew. We need to send you out for a while. And that turned into, it'll be like 80% out on the road and 20% on a laptop. And very soon after that, I went, I'm going back to sales. This is not what I signed up for. What was, what was your thought process when they told you you're going to go out into the, the wilderness? <laughs> there was an element at the beginning of, oh, this would be great. It'll be like an excursion to see how the other 80% live. But then... <laughs> Pretty quickly, I went, oh, I'm in Mackay. It's pretty humid. I'm in the middle. Like, often you would be out and about in the middle of nowhere. And look, I was fine with it up until they wanted to start getting me to try to grade the dirt. Like, they wanted to basically teach me how to be an engineer. And I just had no interest. And it, like, I, I was cool with collecting the bags of soil. I was cool with occasionally lifting things. Mostly my job involved just showing the people where they had to dig and then taking a few photos while we were standing around the joint. So it wasn't too labor-intensive then? Oh, at its worst it was. Like, they were pretty heavy bags of dirt and you, you, would, collect, you would collect quite a few of them. Define heavy dirt. <laughs> uh, 
No, nah, like, you know, 15 to 20 kilos yeah, each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, one in each arm. Um, I just can't imagine you because you would have been surrounded by people who have, have been in that kind of industry for a long time. They've, they've milked mm. it. They know how to milk it. Mm. And you would have been like, why am I working with these people and not doing anything? Why am I being forced to do something when he's standing there doing nothing? It was more, uh, why is the engineer who, you know, spent all that time studying and earns $140,000 a year to do this, why is he back in the office? And I mean, economically, I knew why. It's because they could send me out there on $40,000, but still charge as if I was an engineer. <laughs> um, so, it, it made sense to them. But for me, I was like, yeah, nah, the uh, the bucks just aren't here for this. <laughs> <laughs> so, you made Ash pack up her bags, give up her career in Mackay to come back to Geelong because you didn't want to work no, that job? <laughs> no, 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 no. I just started selling cars in Mackay. <laughs> <laughs> so, back to uh, Mountain of Madness. I also think that Mr. Burns, this is the best kind of Burns, in my opinion. I know we love him as a supervillain, but he just mm. seems like such when we when he when he opens up and lets his guard down, he's such a larrikin at heart, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. When he's skipping or sort of whistling in half, sort of just his little jaunty step into the office is uh, a lot of fun. It's the side of Burns that you don't see. I really love that they draw Burns and Homer as equals throughout the episode. Um, like it's it's that's another dynamic that you've never seen. You've never seen them talking to each other just as you know, man to man, as mates. Essentially, they become good friends. Yeah, for a very brief period of time, but you can't sustain that because once you've gone through something like this with a person, you never want to see that person again. That is true. <laughs> Did you notice that he uh, he remembers Simpson's name? That's true. I didn't actually notice it until you've said that. But I guess it had only just been read out to him in the hat. Yeah, but still he knew who he was. No, I'm pretty sure... No, because when, when Homer runs out from the fire drill, he knows who Ah, oh, yeah, okay. Yes, correct. I think he mentions... I think he refers to his name there. But anyway, look, it, it, you never get the vibe in this episode that he doesn't know who Homer is. No. Yeah, yeah. Even if he doesn't actually address him, you're right. He never says, who is this man? What also makes this episode memorable for me is that I think it's it's nice when they get... They're still in Springfield, but they're in an area where you've never seen before. And I like it when they set episodes away from the norm. Yeah, it's always a nice sort of... Well, it's just refreshing to the eyes that, like, I think not only are you seeing things that you've not seen before, it just sets up that you're then going to get jokes that you haven't had before. Even by setting a fire alarm or a fire drill, you you know, you get a bunch of jokes and comments about how quickly people fall apart in a crisis that you just <laughs> you don't normally get and you wouldn't be able to have that same thing happen at a school or it wouldn't be as funny at a school because kids are supposed to go nuts but it's uh it, it works so well when they do explore different areas because you just get a fresh take which is hard to do after eight years have you ever been in a crisis um like with a big crowd not a large scale one no I, like most of my crises have been caused by myself and generally only involved two or three people. Uh, <laughs> what about you? You worked in a factory. Well, it wasn't in a factory. It was, I had to, we had to uh, leave Room 99, the nightclub, back when it was still open in Geelong because there was a fire upstairs and I was upstairs where the fire was, but the mm. fire started where the exit was. So, they had to, we had to like go around the bar and avoid this fire and get downstairs as quick as we can. It was bedlam. Do you remember what song was playing at the time? It was Rainbow Styling. <laughs> I don't know how I remember that. It literally was. It was literally Rainbow Styling. <laughs> that's uh, that's as good a time as any to get evacuated from a building. <laughs> that's exactly right. 
<laughs> for the listeners at home who don't know what Room 99 is, what, what are they most famous for, Mitch? <laughs> they are most famous for brewing their own vodka in a bathtub at home, beer baron style, and passing it off as legitimate brand. $2 Raspberry Smirnoff, remember them? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. for years you'd be going, how do, they, how do they do it? How do they make it so cheap? And, and then the news came out, you're like, ah, oh, I see. That's why I vomited up red every time I left that place. <laughs> so what was your favourite moment from the episode? Uh, my favourite moment from the episode was just after the fire drill where Homer um, escapes, gets out of the building and barricades his co-workers. <laughs> barricades them in. I, yeah. The thing is though, surely the plant has more than one exit. <laughs> Uh, you would imagine, but apparently not, because they smash a lot of windows and knock a lot of holes <laughs> in a lot of walls. I love it when it, it cuts to the crowd there, and there's still one guy climbing out the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite moment was the part you mentioned before, just Homer's glee when they're explaining the rules of the of the uh, of the whole shenanigans in the in the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the fact that he's brought his family. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a really good delivery from Mr. Burns as well. That's um, like you know, I, I words can't begin to describe just how perilous this is. Did you bring your family, Simpson? <laughs> the thing maybe is, that's the first time he refers to him as Simpson. Maybe that's the first time. Uh, it might be. Um, yeah. The thing about it is that it's Hobin's actually legitimately sweet in the fact yes. that he wants to bring them, and. I could also, I could see someone making that mistake that you're like, oh, okay, so it's like a work retreat. It's about bonding. They're going to want us to bring our kids. Yeah, exactly. And Mr. Burns, he doesn't yell at him. He's just like, oh, they, they, oh, they're going to have to stay here. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is with Mr. Burns too, we don't at any point in this episode get evil Burns. We get crazy Burns when he, when there is a bit yeah. of cabin fever. Cabin every, fever t- every time he gets angry, it's for good reason. Yeah, like even the whole firing thing was never actually going to be real. So that uh, is, that's another element that, as you said, like it's not just Burns being evil Burns for the sake of being evil Burns. He's actually quite pleasant. He's a boss that I could work for in this yeah. episode. I think this is the nicest Burns in the history of the series because he never at once reverts back to being evil. Maybe except for the time... Oh, well, yeah, sorry, for the duration of the episode. I think the nicest that Burns has ever been is when he and Smithers are eating the chocolate together. The, oh, yes, of course. Is that uh, Lisa Simpson? The Simpson mutt. Yeah. <laughs> Apologies to anyone who doesn't like chewing sounds on the podcast, by the way. But that was fake chewing, so I assume that's okay. Oh, we had a few memes about that this week, didn't we? I, oh, yeah. I do have some cookies nearby, so I might crack into those at some point throughout maybe, the episode. Just- maybe in the mailbag. <laughs> Uh, New name for the episode What do you got for me? Uh, My new name for the episode this week Was The Mountain Between Us and The Dip And The Dip, I like it Do we have any uh, new names from the patrons To be posted in the group this week? We do, I posted very late So thank you to everyone that uh, You know, just waits for my beck and call They love it, they they get on board (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of cool It's like I click my fingers and my army goes to work for me (laughs) Uh, what have we got here? Sorry, I'm just looking through in order of who my favourite people are. Um, <laughs> no, that's not true. I love each and every one of our patrons. Um, Peak Paranoia. That's not too bad. That's from... Oh, I read that before I read the name and it's an, it's Garode. Uh, Harry Hill. Geroid. Um, Geroid <laughs> Harry Hill. Uh, Nick Riki with Freezer Burns. That's not too bad. Mm-hmm. Neil Parks with Snow Place Like Homer. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Jonathan Dafter, the abom- uh, Abominable Snow Monty. 
Snow Monty. Uh, Dave yeah. Cook, Cabin a Good Time. That's that's the that's the winner so far, I think. Yeah. And Lewis Ongpin, uh, The Curious Disappearance of Ranger McFadden. Alrighty, so now it's time for some trivia. I will mm-hmm. kick things off this week. What were the four variety of drills that Mr. Burns chose from? Oh, um, hmm. Um. Well, you know one, you know, fire drill. You know, yeah, fire drill, obviously. Uh, I've gone completely blank. I have absolutely no idea what else there was. We have meltdown alert, mad dog drill, and blimp attack. Ah, okay, gotcha. Well, that's um, well played to you and a very poor start to me by the trivia. I don't think I've ever gone zero. Like, if it's a, you know, what were X of X? I don't yeah. think I've ever just gotten none before. <laughs> um, my first question, what time does Mr. Burns start work? I'm going to say nine. Uh, incorrect. It was eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Damn it. I know that it's 11.30 when he asked for coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what is the name of the national park? Uh, the Mount... Oh, well, was it what, named what, what, after the mountain? What's the mountain, basically? Yeah, Mount Useful. Mount Useful, correct. My second question. How many cars do the Simpsons family hit when they arrive in the car park? Uh, seven? Uh, very close. It was eight. Damn it. I was trying to think of how many bangs there were in my head. But <laughs> yeah. do they hit the same car twice or are they all different? Oh, I th- Sorry, I think they do hit the same car twice, but they make contact eight times. Yeah. That was a very um, Family Guy, even though Family Guy hadn't launched yet, it was a very Family Guy-esque gag that just letting it linger on and linger on and linger on. Dragged out, yeah. Um, they, I was going to say, they also do bump one car into another car, so you could mount an argument for nine. Okay. Well, I won't, because it's not that important, <laughs> but still. <laughs> Where did the telegraph end up that Mr. Burns um, down? The telegraph, oh, it was in a museum. I didn't pay attention to what museum it was. It was a statue, or it was inside a case of a statue of, um, or a mannequin, I guess you could say, of Samuel Morse. Now, he was the guy who was a co-developer of the Morse code. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Only the co-developer, and yet he's got naming rights. Yeah, co-developer of the Morse code and helped to develop the commercial use of telegraphy. Telegraphy? 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 Telegraphy. (laughs) I've never heard of it before, but I'll go with it. Uh, Question number three for me. Uh, actually, well, I've got... Uh, sorry, I have question number three and then I have a bonus question at yeah, the end. do it. Uh, I'm when excited. Did, when did the story of our national parks begin? Mm, 1940s. No, way earlier. It was way 18, earlier. 1872. 1872. That, now, that scene always lost on me. I, who was that guy oh, on, the, on screen? Yeah, I had no idea either. Uh, obviously, someone... And that actually will lead in... Today's mailbag question, just as a little tease, is what are some jokes that you think might have been lost on you by being outside of America? And that was one of them. <laughs> um, because I didn't understand the name. I didn't... I mean, I got the concept of the joke. You're like, okay, well, there's obviously someone here that you are making fun of for the way he talks, but no idea. And it's like, do we laugh at the person because he talks funny? <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. It was a different time. I always thought maybe True. that the guy who in charge was just a drunk. Yeah, I guess that's possible. Um, could be drunk, could just be a guy with a speech impediment. He kind of sounds like the uh, the photographer from the try and save after he puts the fake helium in his, in his mouth. Uh, yeah, he does a little bit, actually. I was thinking he sounded a little bit like Jeff Bridges in, uh, what was that movie? The Cowboy one. Um, Cowboy True Jeff Grit. Bridges. Oh, True yes. Grit, yeah, yeah. Where it's just like that, I'm not going to open my mouth when I speak. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name, girl? 
and what was your bonus question? Uh, my bonus question is, how many times does Mr. Burns get buried in snow throughout the episode? So, what to define getting buried in snow is in like he is physically in the snow, physically and in the cabin, and in the cabins. So, and so one, the first avalanche counts as one, right? Yes. The second avalanche counts as two. Yes. <laughs> uh, is it four? It's five. Um, so there's the five. first what are the one. Five? He fires the gun and buries himself up oh, to his course. waist. Damn it! Yeah. Then there's yeah. getting into the ski mobile, which collapses into the snow again. Then the first avalanche, second avalanche, and uh, the after the second avalanche, so like the cabin is buried twice, then he opens the door and gets buried again. Yeah, I forgot the first one with the gun. Idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of your favourite moments. I know. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't one of my favourite moments. I just liked the visual gag. Ah, okay. Alrighty, so anything else you'd like to mention before we get into the review? No, I am good, Dando. Let's crack into the episode. You sure you don't want to get into uh, Mitch's therapy session first? No, no, that's not allowed to happen again. <laughs> Were there repercussions? There hasn't been yet, but I'm starting to get nervous just based on the sheer number of people that have commented on it. And I've never had anyone, like even just friends of mine that have gone out of their way to message me, which has just not happened before. Oh, so, really? So you're not talking about patients, you're talking about people in the real world. <laughs> yeah, like someone that someone that Ash used to work with... Um, Tom, hi, if you're listening. It's uh, just God, you know, hey, I've sort of been half keeping in touch, but that th- that stuff about your dad, funniest thing I've ever heard, I'm in tears. Um, so it just, as I'm a little bit worried that it might get back to him and that the context might change slightly. Well, the, the guys at work were like, because a couple of guys at work listen, they're yep. like, your laugh during that whole thing was like the cherry on the cake because Mitch is just throwing out these one-liners like how much he hates his family. You're, you're just <laughs> laughing the whole time. <laughs> I, I don't... Okay, so for clarity, I don't You hate said you him. hated your dad. You hated him. You both hated I, each other. I said hated each other. <laughs> <laughs> Which means you hate him and he hates you. Like, I, I mean, that's a joke. <laughs> your facial expression begs to differ. No, 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 no. My facial expression lies. Oh, man. I, uh, I, I haven't... So, again, I, I haven't listened back, so I don't know what I said, but even... Oh, uh, it's, worth, it's worth listening to. Ash... Ash was listening to it today, and yeah, she was like, um, you want to hope that no one from your family hears this. <laughs> You're like, this is what you said. You go, I like one of my siblings. I mean, the rest are okay, but only one real good one. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's just classic older brother banter. It's that thing of like, you know, if you want to impress me, you're going to have to work for it. That, that's all that is. Oh, man. <laughs> but it is coincidentally how I feel. Talking about how you'll never be normal because you had to like fight and scrap for any sort of attention when you were a child. <laughs> well, look, you know, we all had. If I was on Oprah, I'd be, I'd be praised for having cut me out and been so open. Remember when I found out that my group leader at Ford was like, like raised you for a few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's hope he's not still in touch with <laughs> mum. <laughs> Oh, man, let's get into Mountain of Madness. <laughs> so, the original air date was February 2nd, 1997. The couch gag was where Grandpa is using the couch as a bed. They fold it up and they sit on the couch as normal. Mm-hmm. So, the episode kicks off, you mentioned earlier, with Mr. Burns just strolling into work, having a merry old time. I really love it when they start the episode in the morning. I don't know what it is. I just love the visual of early morning Springfield. Yeah, they. Dr- I think it's like the, the nice warm color tone that goes along with it. Yeah. And it always has a really nice uh, score behind it as well. Hmm. 
Uh, so then he's just he doesn't need coffee. He's full of energy. And I, I like to think that Mr. Burns starts every day like this, just full of energy and positivity. And yeah, not yet hating the world or his fellow man. But really, okay, this is a bit of a theory. So Mr. Burns actually is a nice person, but having mm. to manage the blithering fools that is the employees of the, of the power plant is what turns him into an evil person. Uh, you're saying that there could be an alternate sort of take on Mr. Burns where he's actually a rather sympathetic character. What it we see, yeah, the way we see light. Burns in this episode is the real Burns. Mm. And just time after time, they just keep making him more angry to the point where he just becomes the Burns that we all think he is. Yeah. No, I could see that happening um, quite comfortably and quite easily. That could actually be a really funny show. Yeah. Would be like a little like a spin-off show. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you'd almost do it in the style of The Office. And I mean, that's the most obvious comparison to make, but I also think it's an apt one. That yeah. He would be like Michael Scott, just doing his best to get through. Although Michael Scott is pretty incompetent. I'd, um, I'd like Burn, yeah, someone like Burns who is a little bit more competent in what he's doing, but still just making the exact same, uh, what's that? Sort of just that same bedraggledness and confusion and trying to figure out just what the hell is happening in his life. Uh, by 11.30, he now needs coffee. Now, that when he first drinks it, he sort of opens his eyes wide up. That's a famous Simpsons meme. Yeah, well, I, I didn't actually realise where that image had come from until watching it, but I've got to say, I've never related to Mr. Burns as hard as I did in that moment. <laughs> like, we've, I don't know if, how many people that listen that are addicted to coffee, but I think we've all had those days where you think, you know what, I drink too much coffee, I'm not going to have it today, I'm going to get through the day, and then seconds later, well, maybe not seconds, but certainly hours, if not minutes later, where you just go, oh, this was a mistake. I am... Um, <laughs> I'm grabbing the bean and I'm getting out of here. I reckon at least once a month, the people that I work with in the office all say they're going off coffee and within two days, they're all straight back onto it again. They, they yeah. can get through a day, but not much more. Yeah. I love how instantly it changes his mood as well. Like, it really is just very funny. It's like It's just one sip, perked him right up and then it's, oh, you know what we need? More, something exciting. More, more excitement, yes. Yeah. And he suggests a drill. He hasn't selected fire drill yet. He goes through them all. Now, the, the montage here of all the things happening in the power plant when it's going off, like they don't even know what, the, what it is. It's popcorn's ready. <laughs> yeah, popcorn's ready is great. And then just all of the unpopped kernels emptied into the yes. bowl. <laughs> it reminds me, have you seen the episode? It's in, I think it's season 10, maybe, maybe even nine, Bart Carney, where they, uh, the fair comes and Homer takes over the ring toss. But uh, there's, there's, there's an episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a part near the start where Bart and Lisa are going ding, 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 and Homer runs out saying "Ice cream man, ice cream man." It reminds yeah. me of that moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we have a guy who pulls the fire extinguisher off the wall and then just beats people to death with it. That guy was my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> just out of my way, out of yes. my way. Yeah. <laughs> Homer then goes and leaves behind all the family photos and selects the the old Homer. <laughs> yeah. Hugging it close to his chest. I know that. Uh, and then we get the fire, 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 which is you, in my opinion, but you've said it's not. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm slightly cooler than that in a crisis. As I said, but, not that I've been in a massive group one, but all of the little ones that I've been in, I, I've handled quite well. Is it supposed to take this long? What's a good time for a mass evacuation of the entire plant? 45 seconds. And what's our time so far? I don't know, sir. This stopwatch only goes up to 15 minutes. Then Homer bursts outside and locks everybody in, as you said. The fact that he barricaded his friends behind is what makes it. But I, but yeah. it's like he didn't barricade them thinking he was doing anything wrong. <laughs> no. Um, uh, well, I like to think that Homer has seen some shit. Like, what went on behind the scenes was like the Belko experiment and people just started <laughs> just 
taking each other down. And it was a case of like, I got to get out of here. Every man for himself. I can't let any of them. Oh, man. So, so funny. Uh, then we get the Mr. Burns lecture. Just, you, just, mm. you cannot believe how dimwitted they all are and how just all fools. And they need, they need a good mm. dose of teamwork. The whole, the whole theme of this episode is just teamwork, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I like the connection, the direct connection to the um, opening sort of, uh, hardly even an act really, but the opening scenes to the storyline that follows. I actually had this in my notes and I think this is one of the finest first acts we've had to date. I just think it really sets up, it, it makes you really want to watch the episode, but it's just, it's mm. fun in itself. Yeah, yeah, it, it works as a standalone, but it also then has a deeper connection rather than just being a standalone two minutes that, you know, and those scenes are fine, like that they work in their own way, but it's just, better i think when it has a direct cause and effect now we get the lenny and carl fight here <laughs> lenny and carl you too lenny <laughs> well now you mentioned that the dynamic of lenny and carl earlier on i like that we finally for the first time are seeing that they're not the same person we've always seen oh, them as just yeah. liking the same things they're actually two very different people and this is the first time we're actually yeah. getting a sense of that and that yeah that they're not just like they're great friends but they don't just get along and agree with everything that they kind of have their own, well, almost own problems with each other. And it, 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 in saying that, it kind of comes out of the blue, though, don't you think? Um, because we've seen, we've seen them hanging out together at work. Not just yeah. because they don't, they don't require to be at most for them to like each other. They're, they're always hanging out. And now, all of a sudden, everything Lenny does annoys Carl. Whilst it's really funny, yeah. it's just a little out of the blue. I guess because I know that that's where they were going, it probably influenced the fact that I didn't, mind too much or I didn't even really notice that it was different it was more that it just finally felt like it was what I was used to uh, Homer then at home is telling the family about the teamwork retreat and big at Bart's little rant here I love this quote your ideas intrigue me and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter <laughs> <laughs> Bart's basically just being here a crazy conspiracy theorist isn't he yeah pretty much he's just sending up um, everything uh, everything that's currently like Bart basically here is telling Homer to vote for Brexit and Trump and whatever else is, uh, you know, uh, right-wing populist at the moment. He's basically everyone who calls up Fox News, right? Yes. Uh, and Homer is everyone that listens to Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> the family are then driving to Mount Useful. And we get the, the car park crash that we mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then Burns' speech. But the, the, Like you said, the delivery of... Did you bring your family, Simpson? Like, you can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I th- I thought we were supposed to, Mister Birds. <laughs> yes, he d- yeah, he's just he's so innocent. You, you said it before; it's so true. He's just so innocent throughout this entire episode. Yeah, and it, it, Homer just really wants to have a fun time at the snow. I like. I also love that just yeah, how but- up how up for the challenge he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I but I also love at the end how Mister Burns says, you know, if you're in the last one in the cabin, you're gonna be fired. Even Homer <laughs> tries to run in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I guess by. I was going to say, I guess by that point, he's no longer Burns's partner. So, he could still theoretically be fired at that stage. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. The family have to stay put. Um, the ranger says, though, there will be no fun to be had. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it's like, isn't it like outlawed or something? Having fun? Uh, was something it outlawed or was it... I, th- I think it was like budget constraints or something yeah, like gone that. Gone to great lengths to make sure no fun will be yeah. had. Yeah. They were saying that... Um, I, they were saying... On Wikipedia, it was saying that the guy, I think, was modelled on Al Gore. Oh, okay. Um, so, that probably would feed into that whole thing of him just being an absolute bore. He reminds me of a combination. Visually, he looks like Adam West in The Simpsons. 
Yeah, and there's a couple the, moments where he even talks like Adam West. Sim- yeah, like, yeah. Not, sp- not directly, but similar to the way Adam West speaks. When he's um, looking out the window, uh, I think it's like the avalanche. Well, it didn't come here for the... Uh, was it the Mountain Music Festival? I also think he reminds me of the beekeeper. The Simpson, you diabolic. <laughs> no bees suggest. Sorry, no buzzing suggests no bees. Yeah, <laughs> such a good quote. Uh, speaking of bees, a little bit off topic. Did you hear mm. apparently that if you want to be a strict vegan, you cannot eat anything that comes that requires a bee, which means you can't eat honey and you yeah. can't eat almonds and you can't eat avocado. So all these vegans out there hey eating on. their smashed avo on toast, ah, bah, 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 bah. what you can't eat it. What does almonds have to do with bees? Look, I don't know. Look it up. It's a proven thing, though. Scientists, <laughs> Look it up. Sci- scientists in the UK <laughs> proved it this week that you, they, they must be they must be required because it was proven this week that almonds cannot be eaten by a vegan if you want to be an actual vegan. And vegans yeah, right. are in a vegans are in uh, vegans vegans are in an uproar, just refusing to believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it, man. I won't believe it. <laughs> what um, what type of milk will vegans eat now? Like if they can't have almonds? Well, is soy is that vegan? I suppose. I mean, it's still a bean, so yeah, it must be. I don't know, but it's just, it's just funny. All the vegans at work were just bringing it up, and they're just nah, nah, it's wrong, nah, nah. Or have you looked it up? Nah, it's wrong. I'm like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> continue to being continue being a fake vegan. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Each two-man team will work its way through the wilderness to a cabin hidden somewhere on this mountain. The routes are treacherous, so use your maps. Uh, I lost my map. You haven't been issued a map yet. When you arrive at the cabin, there will be a congratulatory party with sandwiches and moderately priced champagne. Now, as an added incentive, the second-to-last team to arrive at the cabin will receive an hilarious world's worst employee trophy. Hey, this sounds like fun. And the last team to arrive will be fired. <laughs> Uh-oh. And to show that I'm not playing favorites, both Smithers and I will be participating. Who knows? I might be the unlucky one who gets fired. Not bloody likely. I've placed all your names in this hat. Ooh. Thank you. Now pair off as I draw your names. Lenny... And Carl. Ah, oh, nuts. I mean, um, ah, nuts. So there, Mr. Burns, he's laid it out. If you're last in there, last in the cabin, you're fired. It's pretty, if you're a worker, you'd be scared. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, uh, particularly if you're like me and you're not very outdoorsy. Like, that, <laughs> that's going to, you know, that, that's it. That's job done. I, yes. <laughs> I, I got to be honest, though, when Smithers was drawn out on his own, I wasn't too concerned for him. I was like, if there's anyone in that power plant that could survive a mountain on their own, it's Smithers. You reckon Smithers? Yeah, he's look, he's resourceful. Smithers knows how to... When is he ever resourceful? Nah, he knows how to get shit done. It's just like, if it comes to a task, he's clearly going to be the most actually qualified to work in that power plant. And I think that transcends into mountaineering. In saying that, he did get pretty badass in Home of the Smithers, didn't he? That little final battle. I think he was, Um, wasn't he going to like choke Homer with string? uh, Yes. (laughs) That sounds familiar. He gets down um, and dirty. (laughs) Sorry, I just got sidetracked because I was thinking, uh, I just watched Bridget Jones' Diary with Ash. It's the first time I've ever seen it. And that fight between um, uh, the the, the two, yeah. Yeah, Colin Firth and Hugh Grant, that absolutely lived up to everything that I expected it to be. But is that you fighting, do you think? Uh, yes. 
<laughs> well, actually, it is because <laughs> Colin Firth lands the sucker punch first and then uh, follows it up with the girly kicking. Um, yes. <laughs> when they get crash tackled head first through the glass window, like that bit was one of those moments where I'm watching going, I know it's a comedy, but that's like instant death. <laughs> yeah. Just not coming back from that. Like, if you go through a window, you are bleeding from everywhere. <laughs> uh, Smithers, like you said, he draws his name out of the hat. He's now alone. And it's, we also get a little bit here too, the little dynamic between Burns and Smithers that Mr. Burns is like, he deliberately made sure that he wasn't with Smithers because, yeah, you annoy me. Yeah, what did he say? You're being a bit of a pill? Yeah. Why do we always fight on vacation? <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, there's some untold stories. Like, how many vacations have they been on and where have they gone together? Well, there was the boathouse, which was the time. I can't think of any vacations that we've seen them on together, though. Yeah. No, I'd like to uh, I'd like to see a few. Like, I don't know if you ever saw the straight-to-video spin-off from The Lion King around the world with Timon and Pumbaa. Oh, mate, of course happily- I saw that. Okay, but I would happily watch uh, an Around the World with Burns and Smithers. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see the Timon and Pumbaa animated series? Uh, some, but certainly would not profess to have seen all of it. So Mr. Burns fires the gun, everyone's off, and it's just, like I said, it's just a really fun way to get you into the episode. It's just it's short and sweet. Yeah. The first act doesn't go for very long at all, but it leaves you wanting more. Yeah, that last shot of them all running away actually reminded me of, like... A Madeline or a Tintin or that sort of animation where everyone is just sort of running off into the snow in different directions from a really high angle. And it it did just seem like fun and adventure was about to come. Like it wasn't the sort of same cynical, satirical TV show that you're so used to watching. When it ends, you cannot wait to see what's coming up next. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Even, yeah, I mean, take out the fact that you know what's coming up next because we've seen it hundreds of times. Hmm. But yeah, you're like... Yes, I, where are they going? I'm off on this adventure with them. Yeah, and it's like you're getting so many different dynamics. So you're seeing Lenny and Carl at each other's throats that we've never seen before. What are they going to mm. get up to? you got Smithers by himself. How is he going to go by himself? Mr. Burns and Homer getting along. What are mm. they going to do? Like it's mm. just there's so many aspects to this episode that just leaves you thinking, I really have to see what happens here. Yeah, <laughs> the kids in the visitor center. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's going to happen there? Uh, so speaking of we come back and Marge and the kids are at the visitor centre and we get the annoying bear robot no the correct answer is you yeah (laughs) (laughs) now this little so they say they're going to go outside for a wander just have a look around this little visual gag here of Maggie of the starfish it's unnecessary Hmm. but it's simple I guess it's pretty funny funny. I like like the um, the music cue for it yeah it it reminds me of um, there's a moment in E.T. Where the music cue is almost exactly the same. It always I don't know why, but it just always reminds me of that moment in ET. Uh, so then Smithers is walking off and he's for good reason, he's annoyed because Burns has just left him in the doghouse. He's out there by himself. And I can't I know you say he's resourceful, but I can't see Smithers as being one who would want to be outdoors. Even though he may be resourceful, he doesn't want no. to be out there. Yeah, no, definitely not. Uh I, and, I agree and with he you prob- on that. And he probably I- knew that Mr. Burns was going to cheat. So he um, he so he knew that he's gonna be able to get on the that's sled. That's true. Yeah, he's gone from having a nice cozy weekend to, oh God, now I've got to go and do stuff. Yes, and exactly. I've got to do it the hard way and on my own. How good's the bony you're behind? <laughs> <laughs> How could you do this to me, Mr. Burns, after all I've done for you? Why, if you were here, I'd kick you right in your bony old behind! 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 Why, thank you, Simpson. I have been watching my figure. It's been a long time since I've been anywhere that had a really good echo, but next time I am, I think that's going to be what I have to yell out. Pony or behind. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Simpson. Why? Thank you, Simpson. 
Uh, and the thing is, though, he always refers to him as Simpson. It just sort of shows that he's still his boss. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely an element of that in there. And then there's um, that one about the end where he calls him Homer, Bernsey, when, when he's scared. So, like, at yeah. that point, he's equal. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, I, I also love that, that that particular moment, not skipping ahead too far, but mm. well, it is skipping ahead too far, but I don't really care, <laughs> is that they've just gone from hating each other again. And then there's that moment of panic. And that's what, yeah, it brings out the, as soon as it becomes real, the terror becomes real, then they clutch at each other again, which is a kind of cool little um, character progression for each of them within the confines of the story. Yeah, when, when it's life or death, you put all the pointless shit aside and you just embrace and cuddle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then shoot some snow with some trees, uh, with a tree. I like that he he knew what would intri- uh, intrigue Lisa to come over. I found two snowflakes that are identical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he ends up hitting Smithers. They say that they'll help Smithers. I mean, the, the kids needed something to do and it, it felt organic. It didn't just felt like they threw the kids in with Smithers. Like this whole sort of scenario felt like it happened naturally. Yeah, it did. And... Like I said, it was this thing that I'd forgotten about. But again, it kind of works that Smithers is the best person for them to be with because despite being a man that has no kids, he has enough sense of right and wrong that he's not just going to leave them out to dry. Yeah. Like, you know, he's going to make sure that the kids, at the very least, get slightly protected. But you kind of feel like he's someone who wouldn't want to be around kids, even though he would be good with them. Yeah. Yeah, I give you that. When, when have we ever seen Smithers hanging of, out with kids besides Sideshow Bob Roberts? Yeah, it doesn't really happen. But he would, I think, see kids for the sort of best elements of who they are. It's that thing of like, even if he didn't want them himself, he'd be like, well, you know, they are only defenseless. Like, I'm still a man and this is a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old out in the snow. I can't just walk off on them. But the thing is that they're right near the cabin. So, like, Smithers hadn't gone very far. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> the um the chair the chairlift joke very very funny oh, fantastic <laughs> can you weld <laughs> but I just think that the writing from Swartzwelder with Bart here is like spot on for a kid what's the time twelve eighty no wait what comes after twelve one no after twelve <laughs> uh, when did, do you remember when you first got an analog watch. Oh, it would have been grade four or five, or I reckon. A, a, a watch with a minute hand. Yeah. <laughs> grade four or five, I reckon. Yeah, okay. About the same time I got um, my pen I, license at school. I know that we had a school that nominally did that, but I don't think I... Well, I certainly never got tested for a pen license. Okay. I was just... I just winged it. Yeah. <laughs> Much the same way as my actual license. So, you know, um, watch out if I'm on the road. But um, So, can you remember the first time you got a watch? I feel like there was a story brewing there. No, there wasn't. I was just curious. You know, every now and then I... <laughs> Every now and then, I just like to find things out about you. <laughs> when did you first get a watch? An analog um, watch with a hand? I, re- I don't know, but I remember like there was definitely an age where having an analog watch became much cooler than having a digital watch. Like yeah. when, you, when you're up to say, I don't know, probably 13, 14, you're like digital's where it's at. Why would I, why would I bother with hands when I've got this thing that does it all for me? And then you start to notice like the kind of uh, artistry and the jewelry approach that really, like, if it wasn't for the fact that watches are supposed to be a little bit jewelry, then everyone would just wear a digital watch because it makes more sense. I remember my first analog watch. So it would it would have been about grade four. It was a, it was the Phantom? You know the Phantom? Yeah, yeah, the, the um, f- Billy Zane. Yeah. <laughs> so it had the um, it was the the Phantom from the the movie the Phantom. Um, ah, yep. on, on the back of a watch. That was my first watch. My first proper watch. <laughs> nice. 
Uh, I can't remember if I've ever told you that The Phantom was one of the first comics that I ever read. Uh, yeah, if, we used to get them not- in show bags for free all the time. Don't you, do you remember? Yeah, like... Yeah, you'd go to the show for eight bucks. You'd get yourself twenty-three Birdie Beetles and a couple of Phantom comics. <laughs> I don't know why they threw Phantom comics in there, but there was always Phantom comics. <laughs> well, I think it was a Phantom show bag, and that was another thing oh, that okay. always made me laugh because it's not like the Phantom ever really had a great run of popularity. He's just always around, mm. and one of the last comics that you like, as in that sort of superhero comic, that would just run as a periodical in the paper. Like, the Herald Sun would have phantom issues on the daily, and it'd just be three panels. But because you're a kid, you don't read the paper every day. So, you just get this little section of the phantom and just think, what is going on? Like, are, are there people that are actually reading this? You drag you drag one comic out for, like, eight months just at the rate they would publish them. A 26-year story arc. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if there's people who are hired specifically to write just the phantom comics for newspapers. As opposed to the like the actual comics. graphic novels or something like that. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I always just assumed they were excerpts from the actual comics. Maybe. It'd be the easier way. Mm. But getting back getting back to before, you mentioned Birdie Beatles, right? Mm. There's only two places to get Birdie Beatles when we were kids. It was in a show bag or at KFC. Oh, yeah, I forgot that they were at KFC. Yeah. In the little kids meal thing. Yeah. And now you can't even get that. No. Um Birdie Beatles for like I don't know what the range of Birdie Beatles were, but it was basically Picture of Freddy, Fredo Frog with little crispy bits. It was good. Oh, it was the best. You could not get a better chocolate than a birdie beetle. And be- <laughs> and because- I haven't had one for a while, but I remember as a kid, you were very excited when you got a birdie. <laughs> yeah. And part of the charm was because they were only available at the show. So yes. Yeah. You couldn't... Oh, well, as you mentioned KFC, but you, like, you couldn't get them. It wasn't like a Mars bar. You, like, you couldn't just wander out and grab yourself a birdie beetle. I reckon KFC planned- knew that. KFC must have like, bought the license for it or something. Mm. But I, I feel like I want to go to the show this year. I think the Geelong show is in like two weeks. I want to go and just buy a Birdie Beetle show bag. Yeah, okay. And then leave. And just leave. And, <laughs> Pay and the $50 then, entry fee just to yeah, get a Birdie Beetle show I bag. I was going to say, then, and then go, I've just paid $80 for 45 grams of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe get yourself a uh, magic trick show bag just to just to help. Take with the, with the, the, big, uh, the big hat and the, the bird on the, on the, what are they called? Those puppet things? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember that the show was largely about which show bag has the coolest looking guns. Like, you know, do I want to... Guns or blow up like hammers or something? Uh, I never went for the inflatable hammer. I wanted, never? Okay. I wanted a, a realistic looking gun. Um, I remember getting a really sweet die cast metal one that would have been good enough for a cop in Florida to shoot me <laughs> if I was playing with it. How good were the cap guns when you were a kid? You legitimately thought you were shooting stuff. Mm. Cap guns were great. I used to love the... um. The smell. smell. Yeah, yeah, the smell was amazing. Mm. <laughs> so, anyway, back. that's the end of the episode. <laughs> so, Mr. Burns reveals to Homer that I they promised can't Ash. Change. Sorry, I promised Ash before we started recording that this would be a quicker one. <laughs> then that happens. <laughs> I also promised my wife that. I'm going to hear my okay. baby crying outside. So I know I'm going to get an earful when we finish, but it doesn't matter. It'll, be, do very sh- listeners. it'll be a very short second act. Yes. Or third act. <laughs> All right, so let's just skip through to the end. Mm hmm. Stuff happens, and then uh, Lenny, of, Lenny gets fired. Snow. They make a snowman. <laughs> yeah, Lenny gets fired. So Mr. Burns reveals to Homer that they can cheat. Tell me, Simpson, if an opportunity arose for taking a small shortcut, you wouldn't be averse to taking it, would you? Mm, not as such. Neither would I. I've always felt that there's far too much hysteria these days about so-called cheating. 
Yes, a lot of hysteria. Mm-hmm. If you can take advantage of a situation in some way, it's your duty as an American to do it. Why should the race always be to the swift, or the jumble to the quick-witted? Should they be allowed to win merely because of the gifts God gave them? Well, I say, cheating is the gift. Man gives himself. Mr. Burns, I insist that we cheat. Excellent. And to do so, I propose we travel by... Hustlessly. Wow, you sure know how to cheat, Mr. Burns. Yes, well, I'm older than you. You know, Simpson, you're not as objectionable as you seemed when we first met. No, sir, I am not. Just here, you're starting to get a sense that they're, gonna, they're starting to get along. Like, Mr. Burns and Homer, they're, mm. not, so, they're not as different as you thought they were. Like, like Mr. Dr. River would say, they're not so different. Well, not so different, you and I. Yeah, uh, which is so true of all villains and heroes. You reckon? Yeah, like, they've got... There's always common ground that you, you can always make that um, connection that, you know, uh, Batman is just as deranged as the Joker. It's just that he's deranged in a positive way. Yep, yep. Marge is looking for the kids, and this is the scene you mentioned before. They've, so they've wandered off with Smithers, or you think they've wandered off. And she enters that weird room. <laughs> the story of our national parks begins in 1872. Perhaps we should let John Muir tell the tale. Oh, yeah, I remember, uh, yeah, sir, uh, you're mounting up there in the, uh, whoa. <laughs> the ranger then suggests that they get the chairlift because you, you can get a, a good angle directly beneath the chairlift. <laughs> uh, so they get, they're on the chairlift, they look down, it's like, I don't know, I, I don't know if we're going to be able to find your, your kids. They're right there! Let me up here. <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Not worried at all. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, let me off. Uh, can't do that. You got to get all the way to the top, and even then, it's kind of tricky. Yeah, <laughs> that is so true of anyone that's ever been to the snow. You're like, yep, all of the recognition <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Burns and Homer then arrive at the cabin. Did not take them long at all. Uh, no, Ho- um, Homer's line. Homer's line here. Several hours no- early. Yes, and Homer's no going through the window for us. <laughs> <laughs> this door properly turned. <laughs> <laughs> Smithers is then getting held up by the kids because they're they're getting distracted. And mm. Bart's come back here of, well, I'm not the one getting fired. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so what Lisa's trying to help animals with sprained ankles and what's Bart doing? I can't another, remember. What is it? Mr. Smithers, I found another shrew. Yes. Um, <laughs> what was Bart doing? Bart was looking for gold. That's with it. A yeah, in a knife. Yes, in a mountain or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> then we get one of the best scenes in the episode. This is where Homer and Burns truly bond. So mm. they're, they're enjoying the, the art of sitting. Yeah. Um, the, the, the sitting, the great leveler. <laughs> okay, so as much as we've already had one or two non sequiturs, I've got to throw out another. Have you ever been okay. on the toilet and thought to yourself, I wonder which celebrities or heroes of mine are currently taking a shit? I haven't, but I will next time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I have totally done that, where it's just like, hmm... I wonder what Robert Downey Jr. is up to at the moment. Well, I don't suppose the others will mind us starting the party early, homie old boy? More champagne? (laughs) You know, Mr. Burns, you're the richest guy I know. Way richer than Lenny. Oh, yes. But I'd trade it all for a little more. Oh, these sure are comfortable chairs. Oh, yes, sitting. The great leveler, from the mightiest pharaoh to the lowliest peasant. Who doesn't enjoy a good sit? Oh, man, you are so right. Did you ever sit like this? Yes, yes, that's it. Oh, I could go for one of those right now. Ah. The only hard part is 
getting up. <laughs> Why get up? Here's a little move I've been tinkering with. Say I want that bowl of dip. Why, you'd have to get up. Oh? Sir, I am in your debt. Use it wisely, my friend. I love Mr. Benz. Well, you'd have to get up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it, it comes across like it's an infomercial. Yeah, yeah, funny. yeah. But that's the point. Here's a move I've been tinkering with. I, I, I like that. Like I, I love imagining the hours that Homer's put in to working this move. Oh yeah, for sure. And Mr. Burns is just cannot believe it. He's like, my well, sir. Yeah, <laughs> the fact that Burns calls him sir yeah. is the height of respect. Yeah, and like they were just at their peak when it came to friendship, and then all shit just goes down. Bang, avalanche. Have you ever watched footage of an avalanche? No, I can't say I have. I My memory of an avalanche when I was a kid was when those... There's a thread bow in Australia? Oh, yeah, right. I, I, yeah, that was... I mean, I guess that was similar. I think it was almost more of a mudslide than... Okay. Or was it just that... It, it might have been an avalanche. I can't remember if that was a full-on avalanche or if it was just that the building collapsed. Okay. Um, But... Uh, yeah, true, true Aussie hero, Stuart Diver, for mm. not dying. Mm-hmm. But I, f- like, they are really phenomenal. I think it's um, Planet Earth 2. Might have, it might be the first one. Certainly one of the Planet Earths has some insane footage of an avalanche where you're just like, yeah, no, there's, you're, you're just gone. There's no chance if something like that's coming down on top of you. I think it'd be even more damaging than, than water, would it not? Um, At least water, you have yes. a chance to swim out. Yeah, um, both pretty destructive. Of course, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to be part of either. But still, I think we're lucky. We wouldn't really have many avalanches in Australia, would we? Like, like up in the Blue Mountains. Not no. the Mountains. The, um, what, where do we go snowing? What's it called? What's that? What's those mountains called? Uh, it's Mount Buller. Mount Buller, yeah, yeah. Well, Threadbell, as you mentioned. But no, they're pretty few and far between. I think it's um, largely because the peaks just aren't steep enough or big enough and there's probably not enough snow on them to cause it. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, Lenny and Carl... A bit of bickering happening here. Like it just seems that Lenny, oh, I'm sorry, Lenny, Carl just really cannot stand Lenny at the moment. Yeah, it's almost like they've had a fight off yeah. camera, yeah. and we haven't we haven't been privy to it. But there's, it's like when um you know if you're writing a movie and two actors have worked out their own backstory, <laughs> it's like so we've just decided that you know we hate each other now, um and but there's never going to be any reference to why. It's just the way that we're going to play it from now on. It's just it's a classic uh, husband and mother-in-law dynamic. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So then Homer checks the door, and this is the part you mentioned where he checks the door, checks the window, and goes back to the door. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then Burns uses the telegraph, and it's a dead end because it just goes to the museum, not getting used at all. So they're, they're, they're trapped now. There's nowhere they can go. Lenny and Carl then arrive, but there's no cabin there, and they can't work it out. According to the map, the cabin should be right here. <laughs> Hey, maybe there is no cabin. Maybe it's one of them uh, metaphorical things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, maybe the cabin is the place inside each of us created by our goodwill and teamwork. Oh. Ma, they said to be sandwiches. Homer and Burns then start digging out. Homer's a good digger. Yeah, he is. Uh, Homer, had he been on the crew for the Great Escape, they would have got out of that prisoner of war camp much faster. 100%. 100%. Then Mr. Burns refers to him as teammate. So, Mr. Burns, is he's, he's really opened up to Homer here, isn't he? Hmm. He's like, we've never seen him like this. Uh, no. And it's probably, it really is my overall favourite part of the episode. That you, 
they do find a very believable way to make Burns fit in with Homer and to treat them as equals in a way that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think everything in this episode, make, uh, the ending's a bit far-fetched with the, the cabin just blasting away because of the gas cylinder, but mm. everything else just feels organic and real, like it could actually happen. Yeah. Yeah, um, grant you that. As you said, a- apart from the yeah, the propane tank rocket house, yeah, that'd yeah, be exactly. tough. But all, all of the character stuff rings true, if not the environment stuff. So they escape, Homer digs his way out, and they give a high five. Avalanche once again. I love how they roll back down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we come back from commercial and it's just at the point now where every sound they make, every syllable just causes another avalanche. I think when we yelled we caused another avalanche. We should be careful not to speak unless it's Absolutely, positively necessary. Shh. You're causing more avalanches. I think they've stopped. Let's go. Uh, this is where they start blaming each other. This is, and they're all of a sudden just turning on each other because now they feel like they're in a dangerous situation and yep. tensions are high. Cabin fever well and truly sets in yes. in an instant here. Yeah. Meanwhile, let me go. I was going to say, as it would. Like, oh, 100%. If, I, would, I, I would be calm, but I'd also still inside be thinking, I really don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. Yeah, I'd be calm. Any slightly stupid suggestion that came my way That's would the thing. really be dealt would be dealt with swiftly. Like That's it'd be the thing of like, yeah, no, I'm calm, but I don't have the required level of uh, cool headedness to deal with anything that you say. That's where I get impatient with Nicola. So if we're in a sticky situation, she tends to suggest things that I. It's like I'm like, how do you? You're a smart person. How do you not know that, that was a silly thing to say? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, so you've got a flat tire on the side of the road, you know, uh, maybe you've already changed it once and then there's this, you've got a spare and then it's like, well, maybe we could try to wave a car down and see if they've got a spare. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> it's, it's not the same car. Sometimes I'm like, Nick, Nick, just, just don't, please. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I'm glad that this episode, it's not going to be my family getting angry. So, thanks for <laughs> thanks for throwing that little I'm bit of sharing take, in. I'm trying to take the heat, take the heat back from you. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, whilst the avalanche is going down, Lenny and Carla found the ranger station, uh, this, and which isn't the place that they're supposed to have found. Mm-hmm. Homer then suggests that they make snowmen, and Mr. Burns has lost his mind. Let's make yeah. real men out of snow. It, 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 like, this is peak... Peak burns for me. Peak crazy burns. Um, you know, Crazier than casino burns? Uh, oh, maybe... Spruce Moose? Yeah, okay, maybe not. Maybe Spruce Moose does uh, take the cake. But it's still just very funny when he's going on about intestines and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, he's envisioned everything. Even, <laughs> yeah, even Homer's response. Even Homer, who is pretty dumb in this episode, when Burns goes, no, let's make real men out of snow, just he's, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <And then> just- <laughs> 
Uh, everyone else has then arrived at the ranger station. Uh, they chucked the moose on the uh, on the fire. Uh, Smithers and the kids are then they then find out that Burns and Homer haven't arrived. And they start panicking. Like, Jesus, well, where are they? We're gonna go help them. Mm. Particularly Smithers, who knows obviously that there's a plan to cheat. So for him to not be there, something very drastic has gone wrong. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Of Plus, course, yeah. he knows he's also out in the wild with Homer, <laughs> which is not, <laughs> it's not a safe thing to be. Yeah. <laughs> So now they're they've dressed their snowmen and they're freezing because they put the clothes on. Them. Although it's like, well, that, that killed a couple of hours of cabin fever. Now what we can do? We can dress mm. them. And it's like now they're standing, shivering, they're, they're, and they're both sort of thinking, all right, which one of which one of us is going to turn first? Like they're just they they've lost their minds completely. Yeah, but but, but Homer not so much as Burns. Burns is just crazy. Yeah, like it's it's all being had Burns not gone, you feel like Homer wouldn't have gone either. That it was largely driven by him. Yeah. He's and trying to Homer. hypnotize me. <laughs> and not in the cool Las Vegas way. Yeah. <laughs> Even like uh, Mr. Burns, when he's explaining that the, the snowmen are going to eventually turn on us. And Homer's like, what do we do? Oh, wouldn't you like to know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Rangers, re- this is where the Rangers realize, mm, maybe that, that cabin should be over there. And it's not there. Maybe there was an avalanche. They look up all the data and there's been a lot of avalanches in the mm-hmm. in the area. Then Mr. Burns and Homer does basically just try to kill each other. Like legitimately, Burns legitimately tries to kill Homer. Yeah, and uh, does a pretty good job of it too. Like he he was really going to mess Homer up. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> did, did you hear Homer a little slight shriek as he's resting against the um the propane tank? And he's just sort of like oh, like Homer, yeah. Homer for, for a split, split second there, Homer feels like his life's in in actual danger. Yeah, like, I've, it, I felt like the. Dialogue might have been all my head or something like that, but yeah. it was just sort of um, underneath what else was happening. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. Um, kind of odd, but also like odd just in that you don't normally hear dialogue get muddled, muddied like that. Mm, but it, it um, felt real. Made sense though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we also skipped over the you and what army. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> political powers. Political powers. Gandhi. Yes. <laughs> amongst others. So he hits the propane tank. The cabin shoots out. I, I, I just love the way the uh, Homer Burnsy. <laughs> <laughs> and this would never happen, but you don't care. No. Whatever. It's a Simpsons episode, season eight. It's just the way things are now, and it's it's yeah. fine. <laughs> Yeah. Look, even if this had happened in season two, it wouldn't because it's a cartoon. You could still always buy it. Like I'd, yeah. I'd never get upset at The Simpsons for being a cartoon and having cartoon physics. Like it's, you can do things that you can't do in a regular TV show. So why wouldn't you? The only thing I would say is I don't like it when they have the the uh, characters getting injured in ways that would should really hurt them, and it doesn't. Mm. Like like Homer getting the back of his head ripped off by a monkey, and you see that his brain's just pulsating. Mm. Stuff like no, that. That's just that's like, fair. But like, yeah, yeah. Like, so a- antics like this that. is fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the ranger here is hilarious. All right, people. Before we go out after this first humor, the children, your dad's gonna be just fine. <laughs> now, the cops wearing gloves. Cops wearing gloves. We've got a couple frozen bodies to find. <laughs> <laughs> Then the, the, the cabin arrives. Lenny's pretty funny here. Ah, it's, it's, it's lost his brakes. Get out of the way. <laughs> uh, they, and then they just walk out of the cabin like it's no big deal. Yeah. Mr. Burns then reminds everyone, don't remember, uh, don't forget, last one into the cabin gets fired. They all race in. Lenny's last. You're fired, Lenny. And like, it's kind of cruel because he knows he's not going to actually fire anybody. But <laughs> Yeah, true. The fact that he lets him walk away and get tanked. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just like, where'd the alcohol come from? <laughs> Yeah, I suppose well, they were all drinking in the cabin, though, weren't they? Uh, were they? Yeah, because they, remember they're drunk, answers the door? 
Like, where's okay. the where's Ranger so and so? He's like, oh, I just He's like, get out yeah. of the way, you're drunk. Yeah. So I guess they must have had alcohol there somewhere. It is the power plant. Yeah, that's uh, that's a very good point. But uh, so nobody gets fired because they all learnt teamwork. Lenny falls down. Now, what what hole was that? Was that the whole Homer dug? Uh no, it couldn't have been. Because no, it couldn't the have been. House, no, it couldn't have been. Yeah, yeah, it had come such a long way. Um, just another hole. Like you can get holes in the snow, so just bad luck. <laughs> just, just there for convenience. Yeah. Uh, then we get the ending with Homer and Burns. The the quote you mentioned before. When you've gone through that with somebody, you never want to see them again. And the shifty eyes look at each other over the end credits. Or yes. prior to. All in all, this episode, like I said, I tend to forget it's there. But then when I see it, I'm like, I love this episode and have always loved this episode and for good reason. It's up there with the best of season eight comfortably. Oh, f- I by think. a long way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I take it for, for terms of, in terms of sheer enjoyment, it is as good as anything that we've, I, I think it's as good as anything that we've watched since You Only Move Twice for me. Yeah, it's it's really non-stop laughter. And it does not surprise me that Spotswater wrote it. it. It all makes so much more sense to me now. What did we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn from the episode, Mitch? Uh, I learned, uh, amongst other things, that national parks have very, very minimal budget for their entertainment. But they do put on a good music festival. That is true. I've learned that you should never drink wine in a log cabin if you want to avoid an avalanche. Well, or just don't cheers. Yeah, just, just don't be friendly with other people. Yeah. Yeah, that's where they went wrong. <laughs> they were too nice. Yeah. They <laughs> Never let- be friends. It's like when you watch uh, we watch Judge Judy and it's like at the end, they oh, they clearly say to the people, so do you have anything else to say? They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, it is what it is and just don't be nice to anybody. <laughs> I've learned that, uh, you know, don't have friends. I was watching, oh, what was it? I was just watching a YouTube compilation of like the best one-liner comebacks and stuff like that. One of them was on Judge Judy mm-hmm. and it was a guy and she's like, how many kids do you have? And he's like, uh, 10. He's like, how old are you? 21. He's like, 21, you have four children? How many women? And he's like, uh, about four. And she's like, what do you mean about four? Like, how many women? And then his line was something about, uh, I don't remember what it was word for word, but it was along the lines of, um, well, you know, there was uh, your daughter for one thing. And I've <laughs> seen that one. And it's like, yeah. oh, you didn't just say that. Yeah. Like, dude, you didn't just go there. Surely you, you're, you're going to get killed. This is Judge Judas Shineland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you are you are in trouble, sir. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I when he said that, I went, <gasps> You're like, oh snap. Yeah. <laughs> you are in trouble. <laughs> oh no, he didn't. Oh man. And then Judge Judy's like, what'd you say? And then she like makes him repeat it, which is the awkward part. Yeah. Uh, I, the clip that I saw, I didn't see the repeat, the repetition, but yes. Oh, um, okay. It's that thing of like what sounded smart the first time would yep. certainly not have felt as clever when she's making you say exactly the second and time. Like, uh, 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 I said that maybe one of them was um, could have been possibly like uh, um, I don't. It wasn't really, but it might have been your daughter. <laughs> Jamil, Jamil is here. Ooh. Mailbag time. What have we got this week, Mitch? Uh, first question comes in from a new patron by the name of Reese Roberts. Uh, Thanks for signing up, Reese. Reese writes to us from Auckland, New Zealand. Mm. Um, so he's appreciating the fact that there's an Australasian take on The Simpsons, which uh, and which jokes appear to be universally funny and which seem more based on American audiences. So this is the question that I had teased a little bit earlier. Are there any jokes that you think The Simpsons had that might not have been funny or went above your head based on being from a different country? Well, there's the one that we mentioned earlier from this episode, mm-hmm. uh, but that might not have been from that country. It might just be a historical figure that we don't know. 
Uh, true, but certainly not, certainly not prominent in Australia, regardless of where he is from. When I was younger, in particular, any time that Al Gore was referenced, um, okay, yeah, you know, Al Gore was not prominent in Australia at all, particularly to, to to a kid. It wasn't until an inconvenient truth, really, that I had any concept of who Al Gore was. I'd heard the name, but I knew nothing about him. Yeah, well, apparently the people on The Simpsons were big fans of his, and they asked him to come on the show, and he said no. Really. It's probably yeah. because they made fun of him so many times. <laughs> I will. Um, but it makes it makes sense. They're a heavily heavily left leaning uh, writing staff for the most part. So oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, former Democratic vice president would uh, rank pretty highly on their list of people to get in. Maybe when I was when I was a young young child, I wasn't quite sure what the Super Bowl was. Oh okay, yeah, that makes sense. When I was a kid, the only football I knew was Aussie Rules football. So I'm like, what is this Super Bowl? What the hell is this? I don't quite understand what's going on. I just know it's some sort of sporting event, but... When does Bruce McAvaney come out? Yeah. None of this is special. Reese also asks whether or not we have any Kiwi connections, any uh, any New Zealand connection. I went to New Zealand earlier this year. Is that a connection? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Accounts. Uh, I've been to the South Island of New Zealand, and when I was 15, I had a crush on a girl from New Zealand. Ooh. Did you... <laughs> we won't go there, because we know Ash listens. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Um, never, never so much as kissed. But she worked in a bakery, and I often got, uh, you know, like the the donuts that were about to be thrown out would make their way to my house. Did you go to that bakery for the donuts, but also just so you can hear her accent? Was it the accent that got you? No, she didn't have a very thick accent. Um, oh. It was, uh, it was the uh, doe eyes that she had. <laughs> <laughs> the um the new the New Zealand. I, I want to pretend. Okay. Sorry, I want to pretend that I was clever enough to think of that pun. On the spot, um, I wasn't. That was a mistake, but I'm happy with it. <laughs> the uh, the New Zealand accent is very similar, I feel, to the South African. Yeah, it, particularly like if you're watching a bad actor trying to do an accent in a movie, like if they're trying to do South African, it will come out as New Zealand, and if they're trying to do New Zealand, it will often come out as South African. You'll find when there's Americans trying to do Australian accents in movies, they're usually they're, they're always angry. It's always, oh, bloody hell, mate. Like, they, they can't yeah. just be a normal Australian, happy Australian. They're always an angry, you know, crocodile Dundee-esque or a... Yep. Like, they've got to be angry. <laughs> well, that's because we're a land of fighters because everything can kill you. <laughs> um, I was t- uh, who was I talking to? I was talking to someone... Uh, oh, it was Nicole, um, Nicole DeMaria, who listener of the show, we were talking about how deadly koalas can be. Or maybe not deadly, but like how they can scratch you and mess you up. And you're like, even the cute cuddly animals in Australia will kill you if, they, if they're given the chance. If they want to. Yeah. So that's, that's probably where Americans are coming from thinking, well, these guys must be angry all the time because they can't possibly go outside safely. I find I very rarely see spiders, but when Nicola's family come here, they find spiders every day. Yeah. Okay. I guess because maybe we see them and we're just so used to them being there. We're just like, oh, whatever, it's mm. a spider. I came across a real big bastard the other day in the house. Was uh, That was so Aussie. A real big bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I say real big. It was, you know, it was tiny. But as has been well documented on the show before, uh, my, my uh, spider kind of... My history with spiders is a colourful one. Um, so this one came... I, I saw this one on my way to bed. Um, had a close inspection... I don't think it was a white tail, but it did have like a little tip at the end that was discolored somewhat. So I was like, you know what? I'm not taking the chance. You are going outside. Um, but it was small enough for me to catch easily. So I did that and felt rather good about it. But then I walked outside and I still had second thoughts going, nah, he'll make its way back into the house. It was bit night. So I put him in the dumpster or the wheelie bin. 
<laughs> a really big <laughs> You know, we had a, a, a whitetail in our kitchen. Oh, it would have mm. been about five nights ago. It's about 1 a.m. in the morning. So I'm trying to keep quiet, not wake up Elliot um, and Nicola. And Jet's there. And I see him, this spider crawling across the floor. And I'm like, all right, you can kill me. I know you don't want to. So I'm not going to try and kill you. I'll put you outside. So then I, I go to the drawer and I pull out a like a, a big mixing bowl, plastic mm. bowl. And I put it over the top. And I go get a sheet of paper. And I realize the sheet of paper doesn't quite cover the entire... Uh, circumference of the of the of the bowl, so that's not going to yep. work because he's just going to crawl out when I lift it up. So I get two sheets of paper. So I slide these two sheets of paper underneath, and I, and I see the spider. I get it. The spider's underneath. So I'm holding the spider in this bowl like a dome, and I'm walking towards the back door, and I put it down near the back door. And my my plan was to quickly lift off. It was it was big enough to be scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I I my plan was to lift off the bowl and quickly fling the paper away. Well, I lift up the bowl. And it was gone. Oh, God. I don't know where it is. And I was like, is it on my feet? Is it on my legs? I can, I, you know when you can feel things crawling over you? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you're in here. Whenever I'm in public. Yeah, so, so, so you know when Bart, when, when the family leave Bart with Hugo, it's like, you're here, aren't you? <laughs> that's what I, that's what I was like, the spider's watching me from somewhere. <laughs> so from the point of me picking it up from the kitchen floor, it was in there when I lifted it up to the and point of where I put it down at the back door and lifted up the bowl, it was gone. And are you still, you still don't know? Like you're still dealing with this fear in the house? I, I Every single day, I just do a quick sort of wander around the house just to make sure. But I know he's just waiting mm. for the right time to attack. Put the house on the market. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I was genuinely scared for a second now. I was like, oh. He's going to like smuggle himself into Elliot's nappy or something like that. And you'll be changing <laughs> him. Smuggle. <laughs> Doesn't hurt Elliot. Yeah, no, Elliot will be fine. He's just going to lie in wait. Like Andy Dufresne, he's going to lie in a river of shit just waiting for his opportunity to strike. It's like when they, they think they've killed Michael Myers and they go to find him and he's gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. I, I just imagine you now like emptying you know, an entire clip of a handgun into this spider <laughs> that doesn't take it down. Oh, man. So, what else we got? Mailbag. Uh, we've got, who else have we got? Oh, Aaron Pline. Aaron Pline wrote in. Do we know Aaron Pline? Well, we do without realizing it. His wife is Susie. Ah, I was going to say we know. I was about to say we know a Susie Pline. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I just thought that that was really cool that like Susie, who was one of our first and one of our most dedicated listeners, uh, you know, also. She's the, she's um, the reason we're here. Yeah, pretty much. Um, found, founding member of Four Finger Discount. Uh, but you know, uh, Aaron and her actually met um, watching The Simpsons in their university common room. So, it's been a persistent theme throughout their 15 or so years together, which is really, really cool. Um, He wrote in about the whole thing about happy holidays. Like, instead of saying Merry Christmas, you have to say happy holidays. And did it in a really well-rounded way. We were discussing this in the podcast a couple episodes back. Uh, I don't remember which one it was. But he was basically saying that by... It's not about... You can't say Merry Christmas because it offends people. It's about the fact that by saying Merry Christmas and by only saying Merry Christmas, you're kind of implying that Christmas is the one true holiday and that anything else is different. So, it's that kind of privilege without even realising that it's privilege. So, not wanting to get too political or too anything, I just thought, you know what, that's actually a way that I have never given it any thought and... I just enjoyed the fact that someone put it in a really good perspective and I enjoyed the fact that, you know, that there's couples that are listening to the podcast still, despite the fact that Susie has not felt the need to write in for a while. 
Um, <laughs> I, th- you know. I thought she'd just given up on us, to be honest. Same. Yeah, I thought we were done. Maybe, 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 we were she, maybe she has. Maybe Aaron's the only one keeping the, the, the four-figure discount alive. spirit alive. Yeah. yeah. Well, the point is, the Pline household are still listeners, and that's enough for me. Yes. Now, let's do one more question, because I can hear Nicola having a hell of a time out there with the baby. <laughs> okay. Uh, one last question. Um, it's like we get to the podcast, like halfway through the mailbag, and Elliot goes, you know what? Shit's getting real. Fuck this. I'm going to cry. <laughs> uh, what did Saul have to say? Oh, okay. Um, Saul Levy, just wanted to say that I love the podcast. Been listening since mid-2016. Well, His question is, what format of cricket do we most enjoy? And what do you think Australia's chances are of defending the World Cup next year? His favourite is Test Cricket, as he has very fond memories of sitting on the couch with mates watching the summer of cricket. It's something that we still do today. I think for me, because I'm not a real cricket enthusiast, the mm-hmm. the the big bash. It's just short and sweet. Yeah, it's that's my favourite. Um, yeah, I th- think Australia should probably not even turn up to the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we. Uh, I think our chances are going to depend largely on the health of our bowling attack. Because um, our batting attack will not be the strongest at the World Cup. I think England have. England in one-day cricket have just got a really, really powerhouse team at the moment that has no fear, uh, which we don't quite have. We've got a lot of uncertainty. But we do have, when fighting fit, the bowlers to make up for that. So, that, um, yeah, if Mitch Stark, Josh Hazelwood, those sorts of guys stay fit, I think we can at least make it to the semis, but I don't think we'll be going in favourites. Did we win the last one? Surely not. Yeah, the last one was, I mean, it's four years ago now. Um, but the last one was held in Australia. We defeated New Zealand comfortably in the final. I don't even remember that. Mitch Stark got Brendan McCullum, who was the danger man with a massive in-swinging Yorker in the MCG, almost blew up with noise. Alrighty. Hope you enjoyed our review of Mountain of Madness. Fantastic episode. Go out and watch it time and time again. You'll never get sick of it. It's funny from start to finish. Next week, we're going to be reviewing... All right, you ready for it? Simpson Califragilistic Expiala Annoyed Grunches. Hey, nice. That'll be another chance for us to recycle an old interview. <laughs> Get out early. Well, last week's... We went for like an hour and a half and then whacked the interview on top of it last week. Yeah, we've, well, we're generous like that. Maybe we can get Maggie back on. Possibly. It'd be hard to organise within a week, but... I'll try. We could try. Stranger things have happened. Alrighty, guys. Thanks for listening. Make sure you please rate and review us in the iTunes store, the iTunes podcast app. Give us five stars. If you want to support the show, the best way to do so is by signing up to us on Patreon. For as little as $2 per month, you get access into exclusive podcasts, access into the Four Finger Discount Facebook group, and access into our monthly prize draws. But for now, Mitch, any final words for the listeners? For final words, I'd have to get up. Shh.